Do you have a tricky work problem that you need to solve? I have a great podcast recommendation for you featuring a pair of expert women. Whether you're just starting your career or a seasoned professional, check out Fixable, a podcast from TED. Hosted by Harvard professor Frances Fry and her wife, leadership coach Ann Morris, the brilliant duo provide honest, actionable advice to help you navigate everything from a gaslighting manager to returning to work after parental leave. They'll leave you feeling empowered and ready to act. Listen to Fixable wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Bossed Up, the podcast. I'm your host, Emily Aries, the founder and CEO of Bossed Up. And today we are tackling a very relatable topic, which is clarifying your career vision. On the very first episode of this podcast, which debuted on March 1st, I sat down with the executive editor of the Harvard Business Review and HBR's Women at Work podcast, Sarah Green Carmichael. And in her interview, at one point, Sarah told us that, listen, women leaders are in so many ways rated higher or better than our male counterparts. Women leaders apparently outperform male leaders when it comes to things like listening skills, being conscientious leaders, being small d democratic leaders. However, there was one characteristic that women leaders have room to improve on. The one thing that comes up again and again is strategic vision. And there is an article that we published in 2009 called Women and the Vision Thing that is all about this. And, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know if that's just bias. Like, do women share vision and then we just don't give them credit for it? Do they share vision in a way that people are not used to seeing as strategic vision? But I would say if you are a woman who is becoming a manager or a senior leader or has that aspiration, that is probably the one thing that you should make sure not to neglect because statistically it is likely to be a a sort of perception gap for you. And it's also the kind of thing where I think, you know, women are, we're super organized. We are great executors. We get a million things done. We charge ahead. We solve problems uh, and we do it all like empathetically and with a smile. I mean, come on. But, there, you know, sometimes I think we, when we are head down and charging forward on a problem like that, we don't get the credit we deserve for seeing the big picture and coming up with a strategic plan for the future. And if you haven't already heard the full episode of episode one, it's called To Lead or Be Liked. And it's awesome. You should check it out at bossedup.org slash episode 01. But listen, if you struggle with setting a clear vision, either for your team or something you're leading like a project or more relatably, in my opinion, for your very own career path, you're in good company. From my own personal experience and the thousands of women that I've worked with at Bossed Up Bootcamp, I've often heard women share that we are so good at perfecting performing, and pleasing everyone else around us, basically because of how our education system is set up. Women have been outperforming our male counterparts when it comes to getting undergraduate and graduate degrees for almost 30 years now. So at the end of the day, women know how to get an A, right? Women have been pretty darn good at seeing what's on the syllabus and performing for the professor, making sure that whatever it is 
that we need to do to get good marks and get good grades, that we can do that. It's a really independent, meritocratic way of performing and excelling. But when it comes to crafting a career path, those skills don't really help. It's easy to fall into the role of straight-A student or goody-two-shoes or Girl Scout of the office by being helpful, by being focused on doing a good job, and at the end of the day, feeling a little bit like I'm a hamster on a wheel here and I don't know where I'm headed. I could do a good job here for forever, but I don't feel like I'm making any forward momentum. And frankly, I don't even know where I'm heading if I were to be making any forward movement. When it comes to setting our own agenda for our careers and lives or setting our own metrics for success, this can be a skill that really creates stumbling blocks for women. How can you set course on crafting a sustainable career path If your destination is, well, unclear, that's the focus of today's listener-submitted career conundrum. Take a listen. Hi, Emily. My name's Brittany. I'm calling from Dayton, Ohio. My question is, what if you are kicking butt in your current job and you're doing a great, great job, but you're not sure that this is where you want to stay? So you're kicking butt, you're doing all the right things but you don't really have a long-term vision and you don't know how to figure out what that vision or that passion is. This is such a relatable question, Brittany, and I'm so glad you asked it because I have the privilege of sitting down with one of my favorite podcasters, an impeccable content creator and storyteller, educator, and daughter of a preacher, Erica Williams-Simon, who's known for her hit podcast by Man Repeller, The Call. She's also the host and co-creator of The Assembly, a new kind of talk show that blends real stories and important issues, executive produced by Rosario Dawson. Most recently, Erica just stepped up to be the head of content programming at Snapchat, where she's helping to maintain the editorial voice of the platform that reaches nearly 200 million users. And throughout all her work, she is focused on helping a diverse, non-conformist generation of dreamers survive, thrive, and change the world. With a long laundry list of achievements, awards, a background in politics and campaigns and organizing, this is a woman after my own heart who knows what it means to get bossed up and to lift as she climbs. So Erica, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Emily. So I want to start at the beginning and take a look at your career path. You have the coolest job, in my opinion, which is (laughs) you're a creative, a content maker, and you have your hand in so many different projects. But on The Call, the hit podcast by Man Repeller, you really get to interview women who've crafted really purposeful career paths and get to the heart of, of how they answered their true calling. Did you ever envision that your career path would end up here? (laughs) Um, Yes and no, right? So I had no idea what my life would look like, that it would be you know, six or seven different things at any one given time. Like you said, I'm, I host a podcast. I create content. As of a couple of months ago, I just started um, a new role as the head of content programming at Snapchat. Like I'm literally doing 20 things. I'm finishing a book. Like I had no idea that my life would have that many pieces to it. Um, 
But I did know, or at least I felt and kind of hoped uh, that it would have certain components, right? Like I knew that I wanted to have conversations with people. I didn't know what that looked like or where I would do it, but I knew conversation would be a huge part of my life. Um, I knew that there was always something about work that I did um, or that I wanted to do that helped people live their lives better, which sounds very cliche and very Oprah-y. But I was I was saying that and thinking that before it was Oprah's brand. I was a kid. Um, grew up a pastor's kid, right? So my my whole life and orientation, even as a child, was around using your gifts, your talent, your skill, your time, your career uh, to help other people. That was the type of household I grew up in where at any given time we would have people sleeping on our couch or eating at our table. You know, my father was the person you would call in the middle of the night if you needed to get bailed out of jail. And, and that was his calling. And he was very charismatic and a public speaker, but also a mentor, like all of these different components wrapped up in this title of pastor. He was an entrepreneur because he started a church from scratch. And so I saw all all of those things being put in this package of a particular job that helped people live their lives better. And so I didn't know how I would do that, but I did feel as if I was called in some way to do that. You know, you're reminding me of a commencement speech Steve Jobs gave, I believe it was at Stanford, of just a few years before he passed away. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, you can only really connect the dots in your life and make sense of what has led you from one thing to the next retroactively. Uh, and when you're in the thick of it, you you don't know what dot you're on. And thinking about Brittany's situation, you know, it's easy to look back and say, here's the common thread from my upbringing, what I observed as a preacher's daughter and and how conversations were that common thread. But was there a time early on in your career where you felt out of alignment, where you felt like this is not my calling and I'm not sure what's next? Oh, 100 (laughs) percent. Because, again, when when something is that vague, like, oh, I want to use these particular skills to help people. I mean, that's that's not a job description. You don't know where you're going to end up. So I actually started at the beginning of my career in politics and there wasn't a lot of intentionality behind that. I, I graduated with a degree in African-American studies and public policy. I didn't know what to do with that. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area, so politics was like right there, even though I actually didn't have a personal passion for it. I had a passion, as I said, for helping people. My professor helped me get my first job out of college, and I ended up kind of like doing national advocacy on behalf of young people and women and people of color for a couple of years. And by all intents and purposes, was doing it well. Had a really fun, glamorous, although not um, lucrative career, Um, but, you know, was on television talk. It was real time with Bill Maher and like going to the White House and doing all this cool stuff. And it seemed like, okay, you're checking all the boxes, right? You're helping people. You're speaking and doing communication stuff. You're traveling. Like you're doing all these things. But it wasn't right. It just wasn't Right. 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 And there was no way to know that without having done it. <laughs> and then I woke up yeah. one day and realized, man, you, you're not actually excited about the work you, you're doing. You can, you can say, yes, this is good work, right? You can say that you're using your skills, but there's something in me that wasn't fulfilled and knew I was supposed to do something different. Um, so I walked away and had no idea what to do next. That is probably the most common thing that I hear from the women I interview often is that you kind of know, you figure out along the way what you don't want, You don't always know exactly what you do want, though. It feels almost like crafting a career vision 
is a really iterative process of discovery. And sometimes that means like a process of elimination, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And also, I love I love the word vision, but I think sometimes we have a very limited way of thinking about what a vision actually is. So like you can you can have a vision that is defined by a destination. So where I want to be, where I want to end up. And I think that's what a lot of people think about when they say it. Like, I need a very clear vision of what my career path is going to be. And some people have that, right? Like I've interviewed, um, you know, some women like Melina Matsukis, the filmmaker. She knew from the time she was a little girl, she was going to be a filmmaker. That's one type of vision. You can also have a vision that's about accomplishments, right? Which is kind of the way that I've operated through different segments of my career, which is, okay, while I'm here, I have no idea how long I'm going to be here. I have no idea how long this season is going to last for me. But are there things that I want to do while I'm here? Um, I'm, I'm doing that now at Snapchat, right? Like I do not see myself working for a tech company for the rest of my life. I'm not particularly excited about the idea of Silicon Valley. I'm excited about the idea of potentially being able to shape the stories that over 200 million people see. So I'm going to, while I'm here, focus on maybe three particular goals. That's how, that's how I know that I will walk away feeling yeah. successful. That's a vision. Um, you can have a vision that's about experiences. So while I'm here in this particular phase, to get back to the original question, while while you're here at this job that you know may not be right for you, what do you want to gain? What experiences do you want to have? How do you want to feel? Um, so I think that's important, figuring out what vision actually means. Yeah, I like that because it it sounds almost like the scientific term, which always makes me chuckle because it does not sound like a scientific term, but cognitive chunking, right? Mm -hmm. Taking this big idea of this grand vision of your life and turning it into smaller baby steps or benchmarks that make it a lot less intimidating. Uh, And I really love that concept. Um, But wonder, you know, is there a place for a bigger vision? I I once interviewed Tiffany Dufu, who's also a tech leader, uh, working for the past few years at the Lava League. Yep, she was, on, she was on she was on our show, The Call. Yep, she's one of our first guests. Awesome, right? <laughs> so you're familiar. And she's the great author behind Drop the Ball, a total boss lady who I adore. And she always struck me as someone who said, you know, from an early age, I knew what was going to be on my gravestone. And it was about helping yeah. women and girls, you know, be the leaders of their lives. And she sort of worked backwards from there. Did you ever feel or have the women you've interviewed beyond Tiffany uh, express that kind of strong thread throughout the course of their career too? And and what would you say Brittany should do to, to help drill down on that? I have never in my life met anyone who had that kind of clarity the way Tiffany does. Um, <laughs> and I say that on one <laughs> yeah. hand to say like she is so rare and so special, but on the other hand to emphasize everybody's journey is so different, right? Like yeah. I, I think it's beautiful to work your way backwards if that works for you. I can do that to a certain extent, but not with that level of clarity. Like I can work my way backwards from the kind of life that I want to be be living, like where I want to be. I think it's it's easy for people to do that, let's say financially and economically. Like, oh, I know these things I want to have by a certain age, or I know the lifestyle. I, I want to, you know, be able to travel or work from home. That's the kind of thing that I think is more common and that I hear from a lot of women. I don't hear very often that, you know, I know the mantra that I want on my gravestone. Um, yeah. You know, so if, if if you are that person, that's amazing. But if not, it's okay. Don't be intimidated. Um, I think that, you know, to, for me, the best advice to give is wherever you are, figure out, again, what is the vision for how you use the time that you're there? And then start looking at the thing that has been kind of the, the thread for me is, 
um, what are the skill sets that I want to use? When do I feel like I'm, to use another, you know, popular term, in the flow, right? When am I in flow, right. uh, flow state? Like when I'm doing something that it's like my brain shuts off. I don't even have to think about it. I could do it at the drop of a hat anywhere. And I feel so alive when I'm doing it. Um, what yeah. What is that thing? And then you, to me, that's what you can work backwards from. Now, how can I craft a life and a career that allows me to be in that state most of the time? Yeah. I mean, and that feels like such a relatively modern goal, it <laughs> right? Is. That's like the millennials <laughs> definition of success, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I can almost hear the conflict in Brittany's question around performance versus uh, passion, right? Because Mm -hmm. she says, listen, I'm doing a good job. And I remember in my own career and in the careers of so many hundreds of women that I've worked with at Vost Up, that a lot of us are conditioned throughout academic life to get ace, right? Like, Mm -hmm. what is the goal? It's to take that syllabus home, put your nose to the grindstone and deliver for a professor And we get into the workforce and those skills are no longer long-term sustainable. Just doing a good job isn't going to keep you engaged in your career. Right, right. You mentioned that that kind of being this millennial goal. And I think the other thing that is particularly millennial is this idea that your passion has to be your career or that you should somehow find your passion in your career, that those two things are or should be one and the same. Um, they actually don't have to be. That's a tremendous level of expectation and pressure to put on yourself and to put on your work. Um, I think it's great when they align. And for some people, that is the only way they, you know, can thrive is if what they're spending their time doing all day is the thing that they care most about. But guess what? It doesn't have to be. For some people, your right. your passion may be completely outside of work and you can actually thrive doing a job as long as you are, you know, well compensated and respected and intellectually engaged. Like you may have a whole set of criteria for a happy career that has nothing to do with your passion. And as long as you have space in your life that really maybe you're, you know, the way you orient your life is to make sure that you have enough space in your life to pursue your passion outside of your work. Like that's okay too. I mean, you're not a failure if your passion doesn't yield a paycheck. I think that is such an important message. And on a similar note, there's a lot of uncertainty in that process of of figuring out or sort of carving out your place in your career path. And, you know, in some past interviews, you've admitted that you're a pretty type A person like myself and like a lot of our listeners, but you found yourself, despite being an organizational freak at times and being type A, being really comfortable with uncertainty or being surprised at how comfortable you've been over the course of your career and taking risks. Can you tell me about that? How did you feel during those moments? Yeah, that's been a real journey and a process for me. Um, and I'll be honest, for someone like me who, you know, I I thought I was the kind of person who really craved security and craved stability or some sense of like a guarantee that things would work out. You only learn to let go of that by jumping. You 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 have to just jump. And I had this magnet on my refrigerator for years that said leap and the net will appear. Um, And you don't find that out until you leap. 
You can't find that out from from standing on the edge. You can't find out uh, what you can stand and how much risk you can sustain and um, and how far you'll go until you take the jump, which I know sounds very Will Smith and it sounds very like, you know, push yourself <laughs> to the limits. Um, but it is really the only way I've developed that muscle. Um, I wouldn't say I'm naturally risk averse, but I do I do like to kind of have probably the best way to describe me is I'm controlling. I like to have control. I like to know what is coming right. next. And for this, I would say for the type of journey that I'm on, but frankly, I think for the for the type of world we live in right now, no matter what your personality is, um, it's going to be really hard to find certainty. We live in uncertain times. Um, everything about the world that we live in right now from the environment, to the economy, to, you know, government, to, you know, everything yeah. is unstable. And so you have to kind of, number one, be okay with that. And then number two, and this is where my my faith helps a lot, is kind of have this inner sense that no matter what, everything will be okay. I will be okay. There's a place where I can find grounding that is spiritual and not tangible um, and not physical. And that that really, really helps center me when I'm trying to figure out what in the world I want to do with my life and have no clear answers. And sometimes I feel like the only thing that can ground us are the connection that we have with other people, mm-hmm. right? Those relationships and that ability to see in other people the world you want to create. And I know your work is so focused on telling these important stories of women who pursued careers courageously and who are doing such important purpose-driven work. Do you feel like in Brittany's case, she might be aided by establishing relationships with people she admires or, you know, how have role models played a role in in helping you navigate those uncertain times? So, you know, what's interesting, I have kind of a contrarian point of view on that, which is um, I have found peers to be so much more helpful than, um, and I shouldn't say role models can also be your peers, but I found people who are just as confused and in similar parts of the journey to actually be sometimes more helpful to me than people yeah. who who already have a life that I want or who already have a career that I want. Because um, in this era of like, you know, social media and Instagram, it's actually not hard to find people to admire. It really isn't. They're everywhere and everyone is trying to be someone that you should admire. So I've actually found it the opposite, that I prefer during these moments to be around people who are just like me, struggling, trying to figure it out, because that's when you know you're lo- not alone. So it is just as much about connections, but it's, I think there was an Issa Rae clip that was circulating a few months ago that was saying, you know, one of the things she learned on her journey upwards is that it's actually the people around you that help you more sometimes than the people who you think could lift you up. Right. I found that to be true. I really, really appreciate connecting with other people who are really open and vulnerable and transparent about their journeys. And that's actually what the call is about. Yes, it's women who are inspirational or have great careers. But what we talk about is the stuff that you don't usually see on Instagram. It's not the highlight reel. It's the confusion. It's the failures. It's the kind of moments where you felt alone and you, you know, didn't understand how you were going to make it out of this situation or into your next phase. Because to me, that's the part that helps other people grow. I think that is so on point because it's that nitty gritty behind the scenes, like not made for Instagram story that I think is more relatable, is more helpful and is more you know, less of that aspirational content that we need and more of the, okay, let's get real and talk about how, how we made this work. Can I ask you, you know, what does it mean? I know you're in this 
every day when you're on the podcast, but what does it mean really to answer the call to you? Uh, That's a great question. To me, it means being open, being open to possibility, the possibility that your life is for something greater than maybe you thought it was, or maybe something greater than you were told it was for, however you were trained or, you know, culturally uh, socialized to believe about yourself as a woman or as a person of color or as a low-income person or whoever you are, whatever the world said <laughs> you were or were supposed to be. Answering a call is about opening up to the possibility that maybe there's something different and something more. And that could be scary. That could be unclear. There could be no path there. But when you feel that calling, that compulsion to do something different, there's a level of bravery and courage embedded in that. So I think, you know, answering a call is is about being brave and, and pushing out into the unknown. And in particular, the women that I most admire and try to surround myself with are those who who do that also for the purpose of helping others, not just personal fulfillment, although that's wonderful, um, but who realize that part of that calling is to be able to share something greater with the world and hopefully change it. Absolutely. And how do you think more women can step into their power in that way, right? Because I I feel like the historic narrative that we've been given, if you look at our textbooks, it's got a lot of prolific men who've answered the call, right? There's a lot of Walt Disney come up stories and a lot of come up stories of great men of the past who happen to be very male and very pale. Yep. And what is it going to take for our society to not only give women the opportunity to see themselves as the protagonists in their own life stories, Mm -hmm. but also to give women the opportunity to bounce back from those moments of struggle, from those temporary obstacles on the road to long-term success. What's your take on that? I think the answer to me is very clear. We have to write new stories. And I don't just mean literally write, right? I'm not just talking about cultural creators and movies and books, but I mean the way that we talk and think and what we ultimately believe. We have to completely to start from scratch. We have to question what we've been taught about success. We have to question what we've been told about, you know, following our dreams and question what we've been told about money and identity and and start writing new stories that are more true to our values and more aligned with how we want the world to be. So even that, let's, let's take that, for example, the idea that there are all these men in history books that have shown us what it looks like to answer the call in so few women. I actually think part of that, I mean, there are many, many, many reasons for that, <laughs> um, but but part of that is because of uh, how we define success, right? That we think answering yeah. a call only looks like something that is loud and big and lauded by all of society, when really I th- think women have been quietly answering calls on their lives for, you know, generations. And those aren't the the stories that have made it to the history books, but why don't we rethink what it looks like to be successful? Why don't we talk about yeah. the women who are, you know, not just hitting these high career pinnacles, which is amazing and wonderful and inspiring, but also women who are doing work in their communities and women who are making a, a choice to be different, to to kind of rebel against the status quo. And that may never get them in a textbook, but man, that's answering a call. So to me, it's it's, it's really about rewriting the stories that have shaped us. Which, by the way, is what my upcoming book is about. (laughs) Oh, 
Oh my gosh. Tell us more. Tell us more about your book. So, so yeah, so I can't release the title yet, but it's coming out January, 2019 on Simon and Schuster. And it really is all about this, this idea of, of reshaping the stories that have shaped us, that much of what we feel in our lives right now, my argument is that it's because we haven't really understood the impact that stories and narratives have had on our lives. Um, We wake up and think that we have made a choice about our career or made a choice about how we want to engage in relationships or we've made a choice about how we want to spend our money and don't realize that so much of that was written for us. So much of that comes from these larger cultural narratives about who we are and who we should be. Um, And that leads us us to anxiety and stress. And um, Maya Angelou has the quote that says, there's no greater agony than an untold story inside of you. So the book is about identifying what those stories are outside of us that have not served us and then releasing from the inside what are the cultural narratives that really do lead us to living happy, healthy, successful lives? I love it. That is what Bossed Up is all about. And pushing back on those constrained choices first requires being mindful of the fact or being aware of the fact that those are constrained choices. Yeah. And I'm so glad that there are people out there like you, Erica, who are telling these stories, who are raising up the voices of other women whose stories need to be told and, you know, telling us all how we can, we can raise up our own voices along the way. So we'll be sure to check out your book coming January of 2019. Erica, thank you so much for taking the time to join me on the podcast today. This has been great. Thank you so much, Emily. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hosting Bossed Up and for also, because you're doing the same work. You are spreading these stories in the world and hopefully encouraging um, women to redefine what Bossed Up means for them and then go for it. So thank you. Make sure to keep up with Erica Williams-Simon on her great podcast, The Call by Man Repeller. And now it's time for today's Boss Moves Moment of the Week. Hi, Emily. This is Kimberly from Monterey. My Boss Step Move of the Week, I, over the last month, was like applying to a bunch of different jobs in like a slightly different career than what I have. So I applied to a whole bunch of positions. I finally got an interview last week. And this week I started my new job, but pivot slightly away from education and slightly away from a not so helpful work environment where I had no future prospects and a career pivot towards more money and more sustainable and long-term employment in order to eventually get to my dream job. We are cheering you on, boss. Congratulations. I am so excited that you called in to share your come-up story because you never know who you're inspiring when you decide to live like a boss. If you've got a Boss Moves moment to share, don't hesitate to call in and leave us a voicemail now at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. So as we wrap up today's episode, I want you to think back to the last time you felt really stuck and not sure of what your next move was going to be in your career path. Maybe you're feeling that way right now. But I guarantee you there are other women you know who are feeling like maybe their long-term vision isn't so clear either. And they could use some words of advice from Erica Williams-Simon about answering the call and having a little patience with yourself as you figure it out. Do us all a favor and share this episode right now, which you can find at bossedup.org slash episode 08. As a reminder, this show is 100% dictated by you, the listener. So if you've got a topic you want me to cover next 
or someone you are dying to hear interviewed on this podcast, don't hesitate to let me know on social media. I'm at Emily Aries on Instagram and Twitter, and I can't wait to hear from you. You get to determine what topics we cover next by calling into the podcast hotline and leaving a voicemail about a career conundrum that you want us to unpack. Give me a ring now and leave your message at 910-668-BOSS or 2677. And keep Boston in pursuit of your purpose. And together, let's lift as we climb.
let's face it, speaking up at work can be really hard to do, especially for women and women of color. When the stakes are high and you've already worked so hard to just be the only woman in the room and you want to get everything right, you want to have all your facts and figures accurate before making your voice heard, it's just so much easier to stay silent instead. Researcher Deb Chahansky calls this loss of voice phenomenon. And it actually emerges in adolescent women at greater rates than men. And it sticks with us for the rest of our lives. Self-silencing behavior can actually become an unconscious habit unless we consciously engage in practicing our assertive communication skills. And we here at Bossed Up have set out to help women like you do just that. Speak Up, my live assertive communication course is back open for enrollment, and we're kicking off a new cohort launching this June. Over the course of eight life-changing weeks, you'll have access to interactive online curriculum and live weekly practice sessions where you, Irene and I, and a cohort of fellow Speak Up bosses who are owning their voice, overcoming the social messages that have taught us to keep silent, and really learning to strategically and assertively communicate when it matters most, we'll actually have the practice time to rewire our brains, create new neural pathways, and build better habits when it comes to speaking up with confidence and precision and assertively communicating in the workplace. Learn more and enroll today to secure your spot at bossedup.org speakup. That's bossedup.org speakup.